This is Global News Hour at 6. Crowds reacting to the Parkland, Florida student who survived last month's deadly school rampage as she stands in tearful silence in the U.S. Capitol for six minutes and 20 seconds. The amount of time it took a shooter to kill 17 people at her school. Her outrage pushing a huge swell of demonstrations right across the U.S. for tighter gun control. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. More on those rallies sweeping across the U.S. in just a moment. First, though, we start here in Vancouver, where hundreds joined in solidarity with those high schoolers in the U.S. As Paul Johnson reports, it's all part of a huge call for change that young people say can't be ignored. We're citizens, not targets. We're citizens, not targets. Is this the tipping point? For decades, the world has watched in shock and disbelief as Americans have been gunned down in schools, movie theaters, nightclubs, and concerts. Each time, there were calls to change the laws about access to guns, and each time, the efforts fizzled out. But the movement sparked by last month's massacre in Florida has taken off like none before. Bodil Geyer is the organizer of the march in Vancouver, and she thinks she knows why. I think it's because it's the kids. I think that um, the kids have decided that the adults talk a lot and get nothing done. They see the stalemate in in Congress, and it just inspired all these kids to sort of say, you know, we're done with you people. For the hundreds who gathered in Vancouver, the typical roles were reversed. This was adults listening to young people. Noor Fidel is a Langara College student who was one of the speakers. Even if it's heard by one person, I think that's enough. After the speeches, demonstrators marched through downtown Vancouver to bring their message to the U.S. consulate, their way of telling the American government they want change. The crowd was composed of Canadians and Americans and included this woman, Tasha Clark, a 2005 graduate of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, site of the Florida massacre, and the place she hopes with a course of American history, changes for good. To stand in solidarity with the students in Parkland um, after going through such a horrific incident and being able to rise above and just to see their resiliency and their strength and courage. Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, in the U.S., there was a March for Our Lives rally in every major city, the largest one in D.C. High school is leading the movement, saying their voices need to be heard. From the U.S. Capitol to the White House. Welcome to the revolution. A sea of young people, parents and teachers, shoulder to shoulder, filled Pennsylvania Avenue. Get ready to get voted out. Talk of changing laws. Vote them out. Voting out politicians who support the NRA. I say get your resumes ready. But also uncomfortable, painful silence. Tears streaming down the face of Emma Gonzalez as she paused. Her presentation lasted just over six minutes, the length of time it took the shooter to kill 17 at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High. Grief was a unifier today. Today, I raise my hand in honor of my twin brother, Zaire Kelly. My name is Naomi and I'm 11 years old. I represent the African-American women who are victims of gun violence, who are simply statistics instead of vibrant, beautiful girls that pull up potential. Ricardo was his name. Can y'all say it with me? 
I lost my hero. 1,300 children under 17 are killed by guns every year. Gun violence is the third leading cause of death for that age group. Today, the voices of a younger generation saying enough. I want Donald Trump to do something about it instead of sitting in the White House and not doing anything about it and just tweeting everything that he feels. Coming from a community where guns are really important for hunting and other things like that, we felt, I felt unsafe and a lot of my peers did. Worth the nine hour drive? Yes. The best civics lesson we can give our kids is to come out here. More than 800 cities around the globe held rallies today, from Sydney to Paris to London, and across the U.S., Tampa, Dallas, Billings, and Los Angeles, to name just a few. I'm in through the sit-ins, the Freedom Rides, the March on Washington, the March from Selma to Montgomery. But this movement is powerful all across America and around the world. Keep it going. Keep it going. This is not a mere publicity stunt. Delaney Tarr from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas told us this is just a beginning. We know that the young people of our country are not going away because we're not going away. We're not going anywhere. We're going to just keep fighting every day of our lives. Turning to other news tonight, the family of a baby who died from a rare disease is opening up about their unimaginable loss. At just five weeks old, Harbour Justice Rima was diagnosed with AHUS. It's an autoimmune disease. He lost his battle to stay alive last month. Kristen Robinson reports. Lunchtime is always a full house for the Rhymers, and they're leaning on each other more than ever after losing the youngest member of their family last month. There's no, there's no hiding the grief or the sadness, and there's just no point in trying to run from it. This is what Brandy and Joel Rhymer were facing when we first met them last November. Their baby Harbor, barely one month old, battling for his life at BC Children's Hospital. It's a blood syndrome that can be life-threatening. It also impacts kidneys and the heart and other parts of his body. Harbour was soon diagnosed with AHUS, or atypical hemolytic uremic syndrome, a rare autoimmune disease. The treatment, a very expensive drug called Celeris. When the BC government decided to cover it on a case-by-case basis, Harbour was approved for six months last December. We look at that time and we feel like, in a lot of ways, that medication probably saved his life. With Celeris, Harbour's health improved overnight. But in late February, at almost five months old, he went to bed one night and never woke up. Something acute happened and it was completely undetectable and it was a total shock. Reimer opening up on Instagram about the loss of his youngest son. Uh, it does feel like, as much as I can imagine, uh, losing losing a limb because he's a part of you. Grateful to the team at Children's Hospital, the Rhymers now moving forward with the support of family, friends, and their community. You lose a piece of yourself. But, uh, like Brandy said, we're so grateful for each other and for uh, what we still have in front of us. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 
Today marks exactly 27 years since Michael Dunahy vanished from a Victoria playground. It's a case that remains one of Canada's biggest unsolved mysteries. Michael was just four years old when he disappeared in March of 1991. He was last seen playing at the former Blanchard School playground as his mother, Crystal, played flag football nearby. Michael vanished meters from his parents. No witnesses have ever been identified. His disappearance sparking one of the largest police investigations in Canadian history. To date, more than 11,000 tips have been received, but the cold case continues to baffle investigators, leaving Michael's family with no answers. They have never given up hope. Well, he's out there somewhere. Uh, we would have found something by now if it was any other way. There's that one, one tip that's out there that someone knows something, and that's, that's all we need. Someone knows how to keep a really good secret. <laughs> So it's just a matter of that person coming forward and spilling the beans, so to speak. Family and friends held an annual mass for Michael today. That's ahead of tomorrow's charity walk. The 27th annual Michael Dunahy Keep the Hope Alive Fun Run will be raising money for Child Find BC. A specialised canine search and rescue handler from Vancouver who was in Victoria for training got a very nasty surprise. Her vehicle was left torched, destroying all of her gear. She had the truck specially fitted to accommodate the gear and the dog. She was staying at a friend's while in town for training at CFB Esquimalt. It was early this morning that she found it was set on fire. The vehicle is a write-off. The truck has been towed by police for forensic investigation. Uh, now the handler is scrambling to find her. a vehicle to to get her and her dog home back to the Lower Mainland. Anybody with information about the arson is being asked to call Victoria Police. We have to get a pickup, we have to get back. We have some people calling us, volunteering, and then uh, get back to Vancouver tomorrow. And then uh, whenever the ICBC adjuster gets a hold of me, then we start working on getting another vehicle so that we can get it equipped really fast and get back on the road. North Shore Search and Rescue came to the rescue of a lost snowboarder this weekend. It was just after 7.30 last night. NSR was called out after the snowboarder got lost after going out of bounds on Cyprus. He ended up in a creek near a waterfall. It's an area that's notorious for being de dangerous and deadly. Uh, he was forced to spend the night out there. In the morning, they were able to perform a rope rescue and get him to a nearby helipad. Fortunately, the weather cleared just enough to fly him out by about 11 this morning we've had numerous deaths off that waterfall um, a couple of years ago you might recall a snowboarder died in there same place um, you know it's it's really steep it's icy it's a creek and it's uh it's a big cliff and it's really easy to slip and die now, those opposed to the planned expansion of the trans mountain pipeline were targeting td banks in burnaby today Dozens rallying outside seven branches of TD Bank in the city this afternoon. The demonstrators say the bank is one of two financial institutions that is backing the controversial project. At a Kingsway location, they were demanding to see the branch manager in order to present a petition. Some of them did manage to get inside. They were eventually forced out without speaking to the manager. 
Now, we'd like to think that Vancouver is at the forefront of being accessible to everyone who's trying to get around. It's not the experience of a man in a wheelchair, though, who was going to work this morning. He found himself literally stranded on the SkyTrain system after the elevators he relies on were not working. As Jill Bennett reports, he says it's a chronic problem that he has to face every day. Ben Dooley is a producer at CKNW. He relies on SkyTrain to commute to work. Saturday morning proved to be a tough go. I approached the elevator, pushed the button, the door wouldn't open. So I waited for a couple of minutes and I pushed the button again, still wouldn't open. So I said, okay, I'll just go back to Granville Station. And I got to Granville and I poked the elevator. The door was wide open and I thought, okay. Turns out the elevator at Waterfront Station was broken and a fire alarm at the Granville Station had taken that elevator offline. I theoretically could have gone to Bullard, uh, but according to TransLink's website, that elevator is also out of service. So I really did not, did not have an option. Dooley waited on the platform for about 20 minutes for an attendant to come and manually restart the elevator. At any given time, several of the 109 elevators throughout the system are shut down for various reasons, including mandated inspections. Second reason would be planned maintenance. So by law, we have to um, maintain the, the elevators. But when breakdowns are added to the list, it can leave people with mobility challenges stranded. If you can, if you can get yourself uh, to a different station. Um, you can go up to a, a station attendant and the station attendant um, will be able to get a cab for you and we would pay for the cab. If I get off at Granville and the elevator at my platform is not in service, then I can't get up to street level to access that cab. For the most part, disability advocacy groups say TransLink does a good job of informing passengers when elevators are out of service, but stations with only one can be a problem. Dooley is hoping people realize just how much of a lifeline an elevator can be. If, you know, you showed up to Waterfront Station this morning and the staircase was unexpectedly under construction and you couldn't use that staircase, it would take a lot of people off and it would get a lot of attention. Jill Bennett, Global News. All right, an important reminder to drivers if you are planning on heading out to downtown Vancouver tonight, the Georgia Viaduct, that is still closed and will be all weekend. A red carpet is being rolled out on the Viaduct ahead of tomorrow's Juno Awards, which celebrate the best of the Canadian music industry. A large tent has been set up after traffic was blocked off at 9 o'clock last night. Motorists are being told to allow for extra time if traffic backs up, especially when soccer fans are going to be heading to BC Place to catch the Whitecaps at 7 o'clock tonight. That's a sold-out game, by the way. The viaduct will be open again early on Monday morning. BC's Environment Ministry is monitoring a hydrochloric acid spill near the Alberta border. A tanker truck carrying the corrosive acid crashed into a ditch on Thursday afternoon on Highway 2, about 200 metres west of the Alberta border. 17,000 litres of acid leaked, some of the spill ending up along a nearby creek. Crews are now working out to, to figure out the impacts and also clean up. The pop rock band with Abbotsford Roots, Headley, had their final concert last night before taking a break. Sexual assault allegations surfaced recently against its lead singer, Jacob Hoggard. 75 bucks face value times <coughs> two. While ticket sales in the parking lot were a hard sell, thousands of fans came out to see the show. 
More than 3,000 tickets were sold for the show, the last in Headley's Cageless Tour. Last month, Hoggard broke his silence and announced his plans to put a halt to his career, to try and, as he said, make changes to his life. Despite the allegations, these Okanagan fans are remaining loyal. It's bullcrap. I don't believe any of it, but it should definitely be settled legally, not with stupid people's opinions. I think it's, like, blown out of proportion a bit. And uh, I think everything's just become, like, bigger than it actually is. It's their first concert, so we wanted to give them that experience and rock out. Amid all the whatever that's going on with Headley, we're still excited to go. Yeah. It won't be his last time. No way. (laughs) Nobody will touch him. Like, I come down here lots, and usually it's pretty easy to unload a concert ticket. Not tonight, apparently. Well, in his public statement released on Twitter, Hoggard said he never engaged in non-consensual sexual behavior, but has behaved in a way that objectified women, admitting he treated women recklessly. Headley was dropped by their management team when the allegations surfaced. Police are now investigating the claims. Still ahead tonight, how changing the way you exercise could go a long way in improving your health. Details coming up. Plus, how a group of UBC students are creating the most fuel-efficient cars. Police in Victoria are asking for your help to find a man they say may pose a risk to the public. 27-year-old Christopher Elliott is wanted for breaching his conditions in an ongoing criminal harassment case. Police want to locate him as soon as possible. He has been frequently seen in downtown Victoria, including the 900 block of Pandora Avenue. If you recognize this man and you see him, please call police or Crime Stoppers. With an above-average snowpack and disastrous floods last year, communities around the Okanagan are now bracing for the worst as we head into the spring runoff. Jules Knox of Global Okanagan reports from Lumbee, where water is already seeping into people's basements and causing concern. This amount of water, there's a lot of water in here. It's starting. The season of floods has arrived. And for Marvin Moore, it means an unwanted lake outside of his Lumbee home. Probably 40,000 gallons of water in this area. Moore says the sump pump has been going for three days, pumping 9,500 gallons an hour, but it doesn't appear to be making any difference. There's a couple of culverts out there that had been jammed up or mostly closed off. So they've cleaned out those culverts and now it should just be draining off. But uh, it's going to take some time probably. So it's, uh, as far as I know, it's snowmelt water. And Lumbee, often among the community's hardest hit, is bracing for more to come. We learned that with a 1 in 100 year floodplain is not a 1 in 100 year floodplain anymore. Uh, there's, you know, weather extremes are going to be a part of the norm from what we can tell. And so the village is preparing. 40,000 sandbags on the way. New berms built. Sump pumps on standby. The perfect storm, I guess. You have to get ready for the worst. And, you know, it's, uh, it's a record snow year and it's already er, it's early and people are starting to have water problems already. And uh, so if we get a wet, rainy season on top of all this snow that's coming down with a few hot days, we could be in trouble. We all have to do what we have to do and help protect ourselves too, right? After two feet of water in his backyard last year, Kerry Streichardt is hoping a new berm will help keep him dry this spring. I think a lot of people are just holding their breath, right, and hoping that they won't have problems. And hoping that they're as ready as they can be. Jules Knox, Global News, Lumbee. 
Now, with record high gas prices, we're always looking for the most fuel-efficient ways to get around without hurting the environment. Now, a group of UBC students is working to help that cause, and they've created vehicles to prove just that. Nadia Stewart has more. Tucked away in a corner of UBC's sprawling campus are the young minds driving innovation in fuel efficiency. As you can see, it's like there's two wheels. There's a rear wheel not at all at the moment. Sahil Dingra and his team of about 60 UBC students are on a mission to produce a vehicle that relies only on a single liter of gas. Even though the industry might be heading towards electric vehicles, you still have other industries such as like shipping, like those freight ships use fossil fuel engines. You have airliners still using fossil fuel engines. And many of us still rely on fossil fuels. But record high gas prices brings new meaning to projects like this. It's where the future is going. For Jordan Fong, this is the second time he's gone down this road, tinkering with technology to build a better, smarter engine. We decreased our displacement and increased our compression ratio, which ultimately increases our thermal efficiency, which will end up us using less fuel. That's a lot of technical talk, so this visual might help. It's the fuel-efficient car students at UBC have been perfecting for nearly 20 years. Every year, there's renewed ambition to improve. And not just because they'll be taking part in an international competition in April. This very well could be a car of the future. What do you think that car will look like? Uh, I think aerodynamics and also uh, being able to implement turbochargers uh, is uh, a way to increase power while keeping your fuel efficiency the same. Nadia Stork, Global News. Mm, nah, that, that's kind of like an interesting looking car. I wouldn't mind driving. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Not in the rain. No, no, and we've been getting enough of the rain and hail and snow, and it's all been weird. Yeah, so it's, it's been fun. a mixed bag. So, depending on where you were across Metro Vancouver today, uh, we did get in some videos. So, higher elevations. This was sent in from our Steve Boyer. Or, this is her first shot uh, taken from Metrotown. No, this is Burnaby Mountain, rather, and then we're going to have Metrotown. Um, but, yeah, so depending on where you were, it, you could have seen hail, wet snow, accumulating snowfall, which was for higher elevations, and then it's managed to clear it, especially for the afternoon. So we've had a mixed bag. It'll be much calmer, especially towards the evening hours. Here's a few shots of where we did see reports. This is near Victoria uh, General Hospital, and that was showing the hail from earlier today. Also near Coquitlam, reporting big flakes and wet snowfall. And areas near Vancouver, it was a wet snow, rain snow mix, depending on where you were. So thank you, everyone, for sending in their shots. Uh, there are some breaks that we're seeing right now. Much calmer, but we do have another round of rain that is going to push in. Significant for a few spots. We do have some warnings. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, we are looking at snow, too. I'll have that coming up. All right. And in sp- What's going on? Yes, well, Whitecaps play. I don't think they're going to have the roof open tonight. I don't no. You know, the comfort of the fans is important. It is a sellout, and uh, LA Galaxy are in town, so we'll uh, have a look ahead to that one. Uh, Canucks aren't playing tonight, but they are watching the scoreboard, hoping that the one team below them, the Buffalo Sabres, can maybe win so that the Canucks can slide below them <laughs> the last and maybe get that first overall pick. But we'll check out some NHL action as well. All right, stay with us for all of that. Plus, the suspense uh, that was going on on a runway. Uh, something that happened after a jet blew its tyres during a landing in Japan. We'll explain that to you. And France mourning the officer who took the place of a hostage during yesterday's terror attack. The latest on the way. Welcome back. In France, a police officer who swapped himself for a hostage during an attack on a grocery store has died of his injuries. 
Colonel Arnold Beltram was among the first officers to respond to the attack in the south of France yesterday. Three other people were killed. He was among the first, though, to arrive on scene and offered to take the place of a young woman that was being held captive. The gunman, a French Moroccan who claimed allegiance to the so-called Islamic State, was killed when police stormed the building. Investigators have been searching the London office of the data firm Cambridge Analytica. It's all part of an investigation into alleged misuse of personal information by political campaigns and social media companies. More than a dozen investigators have been searching and then leaving the premises early this morning. Authorities obtained a warrant after a whistleblower originally from BC said Cambridge Analytica had gathered private information of 50 million Facebook users to support Donald Trump's 2016 US presidential campaign. Britain is investigating whether Facebook, the world's largest social media network, did, any, any, uh, did enough even to protect people's data. An airport in Japan was closed for a few hours today after a plane got stuck on the runway because of a flat tyre. The aircraft got the flat as it came in for landing and stopped in the middle of the runway. The 165 passengers on, and crew on board were evacuated about an hour later. The plane was eventually towed away. 82 flights were disrupted by what was a two-and-a-half-hour closure at the airport. In Health Matters tonight, a new look at the importance of exercise and how you get it. It turns out squeezing it in when you can throughout your day may be all you really need to do to stay healthy and live longer. Lemez Williams has never stepped foot into a gym and has trouble sticking to a diet. It was a yo-yo diet. I would lose some pounds and then I'll start back eating. But she's managed to lose nearly 40 pounds by making a few small but important changes changes doctors now know can really add up. We've been talking a lot um, for decades about you know trying to be active in, in short periods of time like taking the stairs or parking further away and walking to the grocery store and now we're really seeing that those small things can make a huge difference. Lemez exercises at work, jumping jacks in the office, push-ups on her desk and lots of stairs and according to a new study those short bursts could help her live longer. Duke University researchers analyzed health data of nearly 5,000 people over age 40 and found that those who did an hour a day of moderate to vigorous activity cut the risk of death by more than half. But what was most surprising? It didn't matter if they exercised in big chunks of time. Just doing five-minute segments over the course of the day had the same benefit. It helped Lemez Williams get her health under control. It's not going to happen in a week, but you have to start somewhere. And where you start is walk. Coming up, steeped in tradition, the story behind the rare gold ring Meghan Markle is predicted to wear when she marries Prince Harry. Stay with us. What you're looking at there is how Europe's famous landmarks went dark this evening to mark the 11th annual Earth Hour. The climate change awareness event began in, in Australia in 2007. Since then, it's really spread around the world. Today, 7,000 cities across more than 80 countries, including here in BC, are all going dark for an hour. That's the plan, starting at 8.30 p.m. local time. Uh, Yvonne, yeah, are you planning on doing that? Because I don't, we have to switch everything off. Like, yes. So candles are okay, but everything else has got to go off at 8.30 for just Unplug. an hour. Yeah, it's good. It's good for an hour. Yeah, it could be quite romantic. Yes, it can be very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
right, as we take a, a shift gears and take a look outside, despite all the active weather or mixed uh, bag of weather that we saw throughout the day today, we managed to squeeze out a few breaks and the return for some sunshine across the south coast. We'll continue to see a clearing this evening and overnight, and then a change on the way late in the day for tomorrow. I'll outline that in just a moment, but that's a stunning shot of English Bay tonight. Eight is the current temperature with a southwesterly wind at six kilometers per hour. Eight is the high uh, for today, average typically at 11 degrees, and on the Almanac, 16 degrees was set back in 1960. 10 was the high today for Kamloops, 8 for areas near Soyuz. Chilly, though, for areas near Trail and Cranbrook with only a high of 1. The northeastern corners for the Peace today climbing up to minus 12, and Prince Rupert topping out at 5 degrees. Current temperatures along the North Shore Mountains sitting at 5. Burnaby, that's where our studio is, we're at 6 degrees. 6 is your current temperature for Surrey, 8 for areas near Tawasson, and 6 is your current temperature for Chilliwack and Abbotsford sitting at 5 degrees, 7 for Nanaimo, and good evening into Victoria with your current temperature at 7 to 8 degrees and your current temperature for the piece at minus 13. Still some instability. We've had this unsettled or unsettled pattern rather that's set in across the southern half of the province. Nanaimo, eastern sections of the island could still see a few isolated showers. Zooming on out though, this is the nice break that we will see overnight and leading in towards much of the day for tomorrow. But in behind it, the next frontal system that is going to push across the province will bring a significant amount of rain. The following area is in red. That's where we still have a snowfall warning. Elk Valley also seeing an additional five centimeters. If you're heading along the mountain passes for the Pine Pass, snowfall warning in effect and still an additional 10 and up to 15 centimeters of snowfall. The Kootenai Pass will still see an additional five centimeters and for the Pine Pass, rather, a total between 12, 25 and up to 30 centimeters will take us in towards tomorrow and then taper off late by the evening hours. Here's a glance at the future cast and what we're anticipating. Showers develop as early as the afternoon for the northern and central sections of the island, and the bulk of the moisture pushes in across the coast in Metro Vancouver, and that'll be for the evening and overnight much wetter when we look ahead towards the start of our Monday. For the piece tomorrow, flurries on and off, continuing for your Monday, highs of minus 8 and minus 9. Whitehorse underneath a mix of sun and cloud and temperatures up to minus 8. Coastal sections will be falling as rain and heavy at times. Inland sections seeing flurries changing over to a chance of showers. Most spots for the Caribou and Central Interior, a chance of flurries, but a southerly wind up to 30 kilometers per hour. Columbia and Kootenai will see a nice break tomorrow. Temperatures sitting at 8 with a mix of sun and cloud. Tops in Okanagan climbing up to 7 tomorrow. Sunny breaks. Most areas near Whistler, it's a dry start, but then the moisture picks up for the evening and 2 and up to 4 centimeters of snowfall. And across the island, we are going to see that moisture pushing in late for our Sunday and then leading in towards our Monday. It is going to remain unsettled. Wet weather in the forecast. Most areas, though, a nice dry start with some sunny breaks and then more cloud cover for the afternoon. Sonia? All right, Yvonne, thanks very much for that. Uh, now, usually U.S. President, President Donald Trump is quick to react to anything going on in the U.S. on his Twitter account. Today, though, he's been silent on today's mass demonstrations calling for gun control. Instead, he's been talking about transgender people issuing a formal ban that will stop most of them from serving in the army. Almost two hours after President Trump arrived for his weekend refuge in sunny Florida, a presidential memorandum went out after 9 p.m. Friday night, changing the future of military service for transgender individuals. Last summer, the president abruptly declared on Twitter he intended to end transgender service. It's been a very confusing issue for the military. 
and I think I'm doing the military a great favor. Defense Secretary Mattis began a six-month review and wrote this policy. My concern is on the readiness of the force to fight. But as a candidate, Donald Trump portrayed himself as an ally. LGBT is starting to like Donald Trump very much lately, I will tell you. The new policy states that most transgender men and women would be disqualified from military service except under limited circumstances. Those needing transgender-related medical treatment or surgery would be barred. The Secretary of Defense could permit current transgender service members to remain in uniform. Aboard a Navy destroyer near Okinawa, Japan, Commander Anthony Weber is waiting for Pentagon direction. We have not received transgender guidance yet. However, we will treat all sailors with dignity, courtesy, and respect. But critics of the policy, who study gender issues in the military, say the decision is wrong. The Defense Department is positing that transgender troops are medically unfit and are not as fit as their non-transgender peers. And that is junk science. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are expected to follow a royal tradition more than a century in the making. I assume Meghan's is 18 and it's a very, very bright or um, orangey-yellow. The orangey-yellow he's talking about is Markle being expected to use a wedding band of Welsh gold. The rare wedding ring will also have the Welsh dragon stamp. Experts say that hers will be slightly different from the rose gold normally used by royals. The royals first received Welsh gold in 1923 when Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, married King George VI. Wow. Coming up, a touching act of human kindness. How a newspaper article prompted a Kelowna woman to give the gift of life to a complete stranger. Monday, a traveler. Yeah, I made a mistake and the phone was roaming, so I quickly turned it on airplane mode. A little-known feature accidentally activated triggers a huge bill. $1,300 of roaming charges. Consumer Matters, Monday on Global News Hour at 6. All right, welcome back. Um, I'm back now because he's speaking about the white caps. And yeah. um, my favorite guy going to be on soon. Yes, I do like the coach. Yeah, well, yeah. hopefully he'll be happy tonight oh, after another yeah, victory. Look, well, so, you've said that before. I yeah. think he's, he's aware you fancy him. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. Well, in, a, in, a, in our way, it doesn't mean you fancy him. You're not like-like. <laughs> Quick, move on. All right, let's go. Thanks, Sonia. <laughs> if uh, you were planning to go to uh, the Whitecaps uh, Galaxy game tonight and you don't have a ticket, then you're out of luck. The game is sold out. Vancouver's looking to rebound from last week's uh, 4-1 loss in Atlanta. The Galaxy just picked up former Manchester United stars Latin Ibrahimovic. He will not be in the lineup tonight. Still paperwork to attend to. Plus, he kind of refuses to play on artificial turf, which they have at BC Place. Another former EPL star, Ashley Cole, is also out. The Galaxy are missing many key players, so the Caps will look to take advantage of that tonight. Galaxy is it's a good team all around. They might be missing one or two guys, but you know they're a big name team and they're going to bring some guys that they know can compete and get them results. But then again, you know we're ready to play at BC Place. You know we're looking forward to the, the game on the weekend. You know it's a big game. We know that whenever LA comes to town, it's a hot ticket. So hopefully the stadium will be packed and irrelevant of who they have in the team or don't have in the team, or irrelevant of who we have in the team or don't. You know it's about what we do. So we'll focus on ourselves. You know, it was a disappointing result um, on Saturday in Atlanta. Um, but sometimes, you know, you're not going to win every game. So we've got to bounce back. We've been very good at home. We've got to focus on ourselves and, and try and get the guys behind us again. 
The Canucks are down to their final seven games. They play their second-to-last road game of the year tomorrow in Dallas. And right now, the Canucks find themselves in 30th place, three points up on last place Buffalo. Canucks have lost eight of their past nine and still have a shot at finishing at the bottom. But the Sabres have been losing pretty much everything lately as well. And they were in action today at Madison Square Garden, taking on the Rangers first period. It'll be Chris Kreider from Nika Zabanajad, 1-0 New York. And it was uh, pretty much all blue shirts in this one. Later on, the Sabres can't clear. Matt Zuccarello to Jimmy Vesey, who will stick-handle pass Robin Lehner. Sabres doing a good job staying in last. They lose again, 5-1 the final to New York. Also, Flames need a miracle to make the playoffs. They need to run the table in their final seven and also get help at San Jose today. First period, Sharks strike first. Surrey boy Brendan Dillon fires home from the slot his fourth of the year. one nothing, San Jose. 74 seconds later, Brent Burns' point shot goes off of the former Canuck, Yannick Hansen, playing a lot more now as a healthy scratch for a lot of this season, but scored a nice breakaway goal for his first of the year just a week ago, and now he's got two. Flames get one back. Michael Stone's got a bomb for a shot, winds and fires past Martin Jones. 2-1 after one, but the Sharks regain control in the second while shorthanded Chris Tierney, great patience, sets up Evander Kane, who would score two on the day. That one shorthanded. Seven goals in 11 games for Kane as a Shark. 5-1 the final. Flames are done for sure now. San Jose up to 95 points. Eight up on ninth place St. Louis in the West. Marc-Andre Fleury back in the lineup for the Golden Knights. Vegas uh, taking on the uh, Avalanche today. Of course, Fleury took a slapper from Brandon Sutter in the head earlier this week. Thought he had a concussion, but he was back. Uh, Abs get on the board here. Carl Soderberg under the crossbar to make it one nothing. Stayed that way until Jonathan Marceau scores. What a season Marceau has had. Ties it up 1-1. Goes to a shootout, and it'll be just one goal, and it goes to Colorado's Gabriel Landeskog. Huge win for the Avs, now up to 90 points. Looking good for a playoff spot. 2-1 the final. Vegas now just a point short of clinching a playoff spot, which we all knew they'd have anyway. Last night in the Western League, Game 1, Giants and Victoria Royals scoreless into the second. Ty Ronning denied, but Milos Roman scores here to make it 1-0 Vancouver. Royals tied it. Tanner Kaspik fires it past rookie Trent Miner, who was outstanding for the Giants. He had 40 saves. Late second, Brennan Riddle point shot deflects in off Matt Barberis. Giants take the opener 2-1. Game two goes tonight. We'll have highlights at 11. Women's World Curling Championship from North Bay, Ontario. Jennifer Jones in Canada taking on the USA in the semis. Jones a perfect 12-0 in the round robin and got off to a great start today. First and a chance to get three. Perfect takeout there. Gets the three points off and running. Third end. Final stone for U.S. skip Jamie Sinclair looking for the very difficult angle raise but does not pull it off. Two more for Canada. They led 5-1 and 6-2 but the Americans have roared back. Canada does have the hammer in the 10th but it's tied up 7-7. Still to come a look back to a golden moment for Canadian figure skater Caitlin Osmond and Dennis was a menace in round two of the Miami Open. Canadian teenager Dennis Shapovalov strutting his talent today. Highlights when we come back. 
Welcome back. It was only seven months ago that Canadian teenager Denis Shapovalov burst onto the pro tennis scene with a stunning run at the Rogers Cup in Montreal, where he beat current world number one Rafael Nadal on his way to the semifinals. He's now ranked 47th in the world. Not bad for a kid who won't turn 19 until next month. But it's the way he plays that has drawn in tennis friends from all across the world. He's got that flair and energy that just makes it hard to turn away. Shapovalov taking on Demir Jumer of Bosnia-Herzegovina, the 24 seed in the second round at the Miami Open. Shapovalov won the first set, gets an ace there, and then the second set showing off Nice hands at the net here. Was up a break early. And then here's an example of some of that outstanding flair. Check out this shot. The overhead one-handed backhand. Not an easy shot. One of the toughest shots in tennis. And then later on at 5-all, Shapovalov with a break and... His signature shot is that one-handed backhand, and he paints the line to go up 6-5, and he would win this one 6-1-7-5. He'll meet American Sam Query in the third round on Monday. WGC match play quarterfinals from Austin, Texas. Bubba Watson's had uh, no problem beating Thailand's Kiradek half a barn rat 5-3. So Bubba's into the final four. He will meet second seed Justin Thomas. Goes to the American Bubba Watson, who will land this bomb putt here to take out Kyle Stanley. Two and one. Thomas, the highest seed remaining. Number one, Dustin Johnson, didn't win a match this week. Kevin Kistner, who is in the same group as Adam Hadwin, is really playing well. Destroyed England's Ian Poulter, eight and six in the quarters. Kistner will meet Sweden's Alex Noren in the semifinals. We will have the final match on Global tomorrow at 12.30. Women's World Figure Skating Championships from Italy last night. Canada's Caitlin Osmond sat fourth after her short program, but she had a fabulous skate, nearly perfect. She hit seven triples along the way, a couple in combination. And while the leaders had poor performances and were falling all over the ice, Osmond was a star, the first Canadian women's world champion since Vancouver's Karen Magnuson did it way back in 1973. But everyone was talking about what happened after the medal ceremony. The skaters taking their victory lap, and Osmond will trip over the carpet. She was fine. She laughed about it. If you're going to have a fall at the World Figure Skating Championships, best to have it during the parade of flags when you've just won the gold medal. That's great. All right, that's it for sports. We're back with more after this. Here's a look at your snow report with fresh snow for many of the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with 11 new centimeters and a base of 318. Grouse, a base of 442. Cypress, 437. Sasquatch, 393. Revelstoke with 11 new centimeters, a base of 270. Manning Park, 204. Powder King, 278. And Mount Washington, 245. Big White with 7 new centimeters, a base of 310. Silver Star, 263. Sun Peaks, 242. And Apex, 288. All right, finally tonight, we end with the story of a lifesaver who returned home to the Okanagan today. Troda has just come back after having surgery uh, from donating one of her kidneys. She was inspired after reading a newspaper article about a man who needed one. I read this story and it just grabbed me. I, I, I was crying. Then I, I thought, well, why can't I help this kid? 
As it turned out, she was not a match for the man, but he encouraged her to donate anyway and help out somebody else. And that's exactly what this 70-year-old did just six days ago. Uh, she says she's feeling fine. Uh, best of all, so is the recipient who has no idea where this new kidney has come from. The most important thing to me is that I've given a human being a new lease on life. I guess that's, that's the gift that I received when the doctors told me how well my, my spare is doing and that the recipient is doing so well. That, that was a gift to me that made it all worthwhile. So she now wants to raise awareness about organ donation while you're alive and maybe inspire others who might be considering it to talk to their doctors. It's a big thing to do. Well done to her. Inspire, I'd say so. It's pretty inspirational. It to is. See. That's about as, as good as it gets right there. Right? <laughs> exactly. And on that note, we will say goodnight and uh, join us at 11 if you can. Good night.